You've got to mark that schedule. You've got to stroke off something. You've got to be disciplined and learn to say no. I've got to seek the Lord. And in these times when prayer is reduced to seconds, minutes, or while we're multitasking, here is Daniel and he sets, what does it say there? I set my face unto the Lord God. And when we remember him as he went up into his room, opened those windows toward Jerusalem, prayed morning, noon, and evening, we can see that here is a man who was earnest in denying himself to seek the Lord in prayer. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Today we're turning to Daniel chapter 9 and to Daniel, the man of prayer. Some days ago I asked the question, do you pray? And this is indeed the acid test of a genuine faith, a genuine Christian. When Paul the Apostle was converted, it was said of him, Behold, he prayeth. And you need to be a man or woman of prayer. So stay tuned as we come to this passage in the Bible, Daniel chapter 9. We're going to have our Bible reading. Then we'll get into the message and then a hymn. And we'll close off with announcements letting you know more about our radio ministry here on Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Welcome Stay tuned as we move to the Bible, Daniel chapter 9. We're turning to our Bible, to the book of Daniel chapter 9, and we're going to read down to verse 15. The book of Daniel chapter 9, reading from verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of Azrian, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he should accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments, we have sinned, we have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants the prophets which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces, as at this day, to the men of Judah, and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and unto all Israel that are near, and that are afar off, through all the countries whither thou hast driven them because of their trespass 
that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face, to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. To the Lord our God belong mercies and forgivenesses, though we have rebelled against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants the prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore the curse is poured upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. And he hath confirmed his words, which he spake against us, and against our judges that judged us, by bringing upon us a great evil. For under the whole heaven hath not been done as hath been done upon Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us. Yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. Therefore hath the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all his works, which he doeth, for we obeyed not his voice. And now, O Lord our God, that has brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and has gotten thee renown, as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. Amen. We'll end our reading there. May the Lord bless this word. Please stand with me and we'll pray for a moment, asking heaven's blessing upon our ministry this evening. Father, we come to thee in the name of the Lord Jesus this evening. We thank thee, O God, for the light of thy word and for the privilege of reading Daniel's prayer, a prayer that came from a heart that was aching for heaven's help in the needs and the burdens of exile life in Babylon. O oh God, wilt thou hear our cries and teach us how to pray, even as we get an insight into Daniel's prayer. O oh Lord, make us to be men and women, young people who know how to pray biblical prayers. We ask, Lord, you'll have great mercy upon us, upon thy church, and upon our nation. For like the days of Daniel, we also have to confess, we have sinned against thee. We ask for thy mercies, therefore, and help now to preach thy word. O oh God, do a work in us this evening that will change us more and more into thine image and prepare us more and more to serve and glorify Thee. In Jesus' name we ask. Today's message speaks also about the revival that came to the Isle of Lewis under the Reverend Duncan Campbell. And we begin with the prayer meetings that led up to that revival. Peggy then sent for her own minister. James Murray McKay was his name. 
And she told him that she sensed that the Lord was going to send a revival and that he must get his church leaders and spend every Tuesday and Friday night in prayer and that, that they would pray simultaneously in their cottage. The minister, Mr. McKay, respected these ladies so much for their close walk with God and for their spiritual judgment that the call for prayer was made. And there was a group of pastors in the region that met to discuss the spiritual declension on the island. And together they composed a resolution to be read on a certain Sunday in all the free churches in Scotland. It was an appeal for all believers to view with concern the barrenness of the parishes so they would turn again unto the Lord whom we have grieved with our waywardness and iniquities. It also involved asking the people to pray that the villages would be visited with a spirit of repentance. And the history is of Duncan Campbell, a man who was not familiar at that time. He arrived on the island to preach. And when he arrived, the people were gathered waiting for the ministry of the gospel and revival broke out. But it began with a few meeting for prayer. The same was true in Wales in 1904. Now, the report I'm reading here is quite lengthy. Do you want me to give the short version or the long version? I'll, I'll try to maybe weed out a few minor details. But the story is that there was a young woman called Florrie Evans, and in a particular meeting, she stood to her feet and she publicly confessed, I love the Lord Jesus with all my heart. That's all she said. And the Spirit of God fell upon the congregants in that meeting. They were reduced to tears, and the move of God was on. After meetings were held, the Lord's presence was felt. There was a, what they call a baptism of the Spirit. And I suppose you had to be there to understand what that fully meant. But initially, young people, mainly, mainly girls and young women in their teens and early 20s, were moved by the Spirit of God. And the fire of that movement filled them so much that they influenced other young people in Wales in the area of Cardiganshire. Now, in September of the same year, a young evangelist called Seth Joshua was addressing a convention, and there it was five miles from Cardigan. And this young man set himself for a number of years to pray that God would raise up a young man from the coal pits of wheels to preach the gospel to turn the hearts of men unto God. Well, little did he know that on Thursday, September the 29th, 1904, his prayer was to be answered in a life-changing experience for a young 26-year-old student called Evan Roberts. And if you know the story of revival in, in Wales, his name figures highly. During the spring of 1904, 
Eben Roberts was repeatedly awakened at one o'clock in the morning during the night, and he would get up and pray, and he would pray for several hours. Now, that young man was born in 1878 near Swansea, and at age 11, he went into the mines to work. Talk about child labor. Well, at 11 years, he worked down in the mines. And at some point, he became a Christian, and he took his Bible with him down into the coal mines, and in break periods, he would read his Bible. I can only picture him with a very dim lamp sitting in the dust and the blackness of the coal pit. There he was reading his Bible, and a fire broke out, and half his Bible was burned to ashes. The other half he saved. And after this man's conversion, and after God began to use him, and when revival broke out, pictures of that Bible were going around the world of God setting this young man on fire to preach the gospel. And of course, they linked it to the burnt pages of the Bible. Now, he received a mighty baptism of the Spirit, which would lead him back to the young people of his own church, in Moriah Lagor. And on his return, he went to the prayer meeting and he asked those who were seeking for a deeper life to stay behind. He shared with those who stayed what God was doing in other parts of the country and what happened to him. Prophesying that revival would break out in two weeks, he gave them keys for receiving the Holy Spirit. Now, that almost sounds like dangerous language in a free Presbyterian pulpit of Reformed theology. But this was no wild and weird list. Let me give you just the few keys to see revival come. One, confess all known sin to God, receiving forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Remove anything from your life that you are in doubt or feel unsure about. Be totally yielded and obedient to the Holy Spirit. And fourthly, publicly confess your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, slowly and quietly, Evan broke or spoke of the deep things of God, and the hours passed very, very quickly. But inside that building, strange things were happening. And in the history of revival, that is the marker of God visiting the land with a mighty revival. Now, I brought those examples this evening because I want to come back to Daniel's prayer and impress on each of us that revival, reformation, the returning to God or knowing the blessing of God, there's a link between an individual or a few people in prayer and the outpouring of the grace of God in any land or community. There's a definite link. We see it here in Daniel 9. We have seen it in Revelation. We've seen it in the Ephesus where Paul pleaded for prayer. G James said the same. And in the history of the church, God 
seldom works without stirring his people firstly to pray. Now, we need to learn that. If we don't learn that, we will just feel and see little done for God. Now, in verse 3 as well, in Daniel's prayer, chapter 9, we see that Daniel's praying was based on a personal responsibility of prayer. And I take that with the, that little statement, I set my face. He did it himself. It was his personal responsibility. After learning from the scriptures that 70 years were determined, that they were coming close to the end of those times, knowing that the people of God were in great distress, he said, I set my face to seek the Lord. That's personal responsibility. It's also seen in his personal estimation of prayer. It says here in that verse that to seek by prayer and supplications and fasting. And verse 4, and I prayed unto the Lord my God. And this is where we're on the same ground as we were on this morning in Nehemiah 9 the mighty worth of God. Unless we have a proper high estimation of the glory, the majesty, the power of God, we will not have a high estimation of prayer. And I see that here in Daniel 9, and we saw it already today in Nehemiah 9. And that's why some have suggested that Nehemiah got his model for prayer from Daniel. Can you imagine that? Now, Nehemiah, of course, was post-exile while they were back trying to get those walls rebuilt. And so Daniel was first. And there are so many similarities in Nehemiah 9 with Daniel 9 that it could well be that Nehemiah was feeding on the writings of Daniel and learned how to pray from Daniel and his praying. Now, wouldn't it be great if tonight we could learn to pray from this model of Daniel? We also see Daniel's self-denial in prayer, human responsibility again. We have a responsibility to deny ourselves of the world, of business and pleasure that we might set ourselves to seek the Lord. It's going to take discipline. Where are you going to find that time to be in your closet? When the alarm clock rings and the schedule is calling and the work schedule is there and the pressing items are upon you and when you get back home and your body is tired and your mind is weary, how are you going to get to the place where you will set yourself to seek the Lord in prayer? It's a challenge. It has been the challenge of God's people down through the ages. Work and all sorts of activity call us away from the place of prayer. And so it takes a rigorous self-discipline to be earnest in private prayer. You've got to mark that schedule. You've got to stroke off something. You've got to be disciplined and learn to say, no, I've got to seek the Lord. And in these times when prayer is reduced to 
seconds, minutes, or while we're multitasking. Here is Daniel, and he sets, what does it say there? I set my face unto the Lord God. And when we remember him as he went up into his room, opened those windows toward Jerusalem, prayed morning, noon, and evening, we can see that here is a man who was earnest in denying himself to seek the Lord in prayer. Nehemiah also pleaded God's covenant obligations. He emphasized this uh, covenant. Going into verse 4 here, I prayed unto the Lord my God, made my confession, and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him. Now, I'm going to say it again. A covenant is God binding himself by his own statements, his own promises to his own people whom he has chosen, setting his love upon them, and he gives himself into obligation to bless those people unconditionally. This is the marvel of grace. If it was conditional, we wouldn't stand a chance. But God in his marvelous grace enters into a covenant to bless. And here is mature praying. Here is earnest biblical praying. Not on the whim of, I think, O oh God, what you should do. Not on our agenda, but calling on God to do the things that he has promised. And he has promised, such as what those two women in Scotland were praying on Isaiah, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. Now, Daniel's praying was also based on his confession of sin. If you look at verse 5, you will see his own confession. We have sinned. And he's speaking now in private. But he's using the plural pronoun, we. He includes himself. He includes his friends. He includes his nation. The people of God. We have sinned. And you'll notice verse 5, it ends with a colon. So verse 5 is really a summary of his confession. And the remainder of this goes all the way down to verse 19 which we will look at next week. But I want us tonight to look at this summary of his confession in verse 5. And you will see, he says, We have sinned and committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Confession in prayer is a vital component where there is a rushing into God's presence, calling on God to do certain things, without an acknowledgement of our own unworthiness and failure, and indeed our sin, our prayers will not be heard. There's a little acrostic on the word acts that's very helpful to Christians. A for adoration. That's important when we come into God's presence to adore, to worship to magnify his name. Then C is confession. 
to acknowledge our unworthiness, our sinfulness, plead forgiveness. T for thanksgiving. Every prayer should involve the spirit of thanksgiving and praise. And then the S, supplication. We don't rush to the requests, to the asking, until we have adored, confessed, and given thanks. And that little acrostic, A-C-T-S, is very helpful and very accurate and is a wonderful guide to God's people in prayer. And we can see those elements in the prayers of Daniel. Now, without laboring the point, the marvel is when you get to verse 23 and that Daniel has done with praying. Now, I'm not done with preaching on it. Next week, Lord willing, will come. But down in verse 23, you will hear the announcement. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. God had heard. God had heard. And Daniel's praying was not in vain. You'll notice in verse 21 that God heard speedily. Whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. Speedily. At the beginning of his prayer. Now we wonder, why do we have to pray on and on and on? Well, that's in the hands of God. But in Daniel's case, even in the first utterance of prayer, God had heard him. And that is a great encouragement to us as the people of God, because God loves to hear prayer. Indeed, the psalmist in Psalm 65, he says, O thou that hearest prayer. That's God's reputation. That's God's wonderful testimony. Now, Daniel, you'll notice, was called in this passage, Beloved. Beloved. How do I get that extra status with God to be God's beloved? Be a man or a woman of prayer. That will draw us to the heart of God, and it will draw God nigh to us. I read in the Psalm 69, draw near to my soul. That's, that's the burden of every child of God, draw near to my soul. And if we give ourselves to prayer, we become the beloved. Now, it doesn't mean that we weren't beloved before. It doesn't mean that we were not saved. It doesn't mean that we're not the children of God. But we are like John, John the disciple who leaned on Jesus' breast. And he was called the beloved disciple. Very privileged, very close to the Lord. May we enjoy that. I pray tonight that the Lord will hear our cries and make us men and women of prayer.
You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca. CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187-9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m. here on this station as we let the Bible speak.